party tonight. What? TV party tonight. Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my tickets. Everybody loves Hippo Toes. Scary Dog. Dancing at Blurred Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radlich. And tonight, our favorite show is Star Trek Picard Season 2, brought to you by the good people at Paramount Plus and Star Trek. And let's see. What else here? Ah, here we go. Weed Road Pictures, Escapist Fair, Roddenberry Entertainment, and CBS Studios. Season 2 debuted on March 3rd, 2022, and all 10 episodes uh, dropped by May 5th, 2022. And we are here to bring it to you tonight. We, of course, is David Wright. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, thanks. All right. So... You and I, I did, was it you, me, and Andrew who reviewed season one, or was it just you and I? Uh, Andrew was definitely there for season one. Okay. And I think we all lamented the <laughs> the potential that, that Picard had and like their singular focus on forcing sort of a homosexual relationship between Picard and Data um, and this really unfocused plot on synthetics and just the whole thing being a jumbled mess. So yeah, Andrew, I think, was overall fairly positive on it. But yeah, he 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 admitted that the, the show definitely had its flaws. Yeah, um, I remember not loving it. He was more positive about it, and I think you were ba- very much mommy and daddy. Please don't fight. Um, <laughs> no, I was I was pretty much burn this thing down. I think I was. <laughs> I, I did not like Picard season one, and I still don't. Mm-hmm. But to to hear more about that, go into the archives and listen yes. to our review. Um, you can hear the comic that we did that preceded it, and you can hear our review of that show. So I'm not going to lie. I was not excited for this. This is definitely one of those where, like, we're doing it because we did it, and we're going to do it again. But, I, you know, and I enjoy talking to you. So if you're like, I want to talk about this piece of garbage, I'm like, I will talk about a piece of garbage with David, right? That's fine. But I was not looking forward to this when they announced, you know, when they announced season two, I was like, whatever. Like, I'm much more excited about Strange New Worlds. At least, you yeah. know, we're getting... Um, we're getting something new, we're getting something with some potential to it, but after the first season of Picard, I'm like, I don't care about this anymore. Um, however, there were, there was one shining light of hope, and that was that they were getting John Delancey back as Q for this a season. Um, we, we love Q, we love John Delancey, and I was excited to hear that he was coming back, <laughs> and we could start our discussion there. This whole season revolves around the Star Trek four plot. And they yeah. literally referenced it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> right, right down to the, uh, to the, to the bus scene with the punk rocker, which I thought was hilarious. Cause, cause in the in Star Trek four, if you'll remember, he's, you know, he's got the music going and Spock gives him the Vulcan neck bench and he, you know, he passes out and this one, you know, seven does the same bit. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'll just turn it off. <laughs> yeah. I, I just really like the song. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, so it was good. cute. It, yes. it, it didn't bother me, but luckily yeah. they didn't do too many more nods to Star Trek 4. There's no whales in this. They, you know, they they don't have a Russian going um 
nuclear wessels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm here. <laughs> I need to see your nuclear wessels. But he's like a retard or something. <laughs> this is my favorite line from Star Trek Four, other than one damn minute, Admiral. Um. Anyway, so this whole thing revolves around uh, Q went back in time for whatever his reasons were, changed something so that in present day Star Trek, when Picard takes place, they are now <laughs> we're right back to the goddamn evil empire. That you know that, that we first saw all the way in Mirror Mirror in the in the original Star Trek. Yeah, they made uh, they made the Federation the xenophobic racist the isolationist thing in season one, and everyone said, "No, we don't like that. That's not the Federation." Like, okay, the Federation is now back to being the good guys, and then mm -hmm. oh, we changed the timeline, so now we're living in a human supremacist dystopia <laughs> that basically genocides all other races. We have, we're Star Trek. We have one eye. <laughs> We're modern Star Trek. We have one idea, and we don't care we, if you like it or not. We're going to beat that one idea. We just don't want to be happy. We don't want to have a hopeful future. No. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I listened back to our review of Star Trek Lower Decks, and you you referring to yeah. Discovery of Star Trek, shoot that motherfucker in the face. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it wasn't quite what you said, but I like my way of saying what you said better. Yeah, I, yeah you might have thrown in a couple of colorful metaphors, but basically sorry. the sentiment is the same. Yes. Um, and that's very much this Picard. So point being, and then we can we can start, and I can let you get, get some of your opinions out there. This was very much like we have to establish that there's a dystopian future. We have to go back to the past to stop it from happening. We have to make sure that Biff doesn't get the sports almanac. And that's the whole plot of season two. It's they're in the past. They're in 2024, uh, which is in two years. And they're trying to navigate life at the end <laughs> life at the end of like that century it's just like like everything's just gone to crap but there's a lot of comments about immigration and and air pollution and you know uh environmentalism and stuff it's just whatever the point is they've got to first they've got to figure out who the players are they got to figure out what went wrong then they got to stop it from happening you know and then of course there were there are forces afoot to uh to prevent that and that's literally the whole season so let's start there what did you think of i i think my opinion just to start off the conversation is i like this plot better than the season one plot agree that's like that's like being i would prefer to be punched in the gut rather than shot in the knees yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like i actually didn't hate this season of Picard. I have mm -hmm. issues and we'll get into those, but yeah. Yeah. Like I got to about episode six and it's like, wow, like I actually have been watching this show and not hating it for six episodes. Right. Which is a lot better than season one. Like, yes. like, uh, like season the, the, one was such a goddamn slog. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't want to make this. Let's, let's beat up on season one for the whole. <laughs> We're here to talk <laughs> just, season just two. Watch the, just watch the old one. It's fine. <laughs> or listen to the old one. We're not doing video just yet. Yeah, but yeah, like I was, I was interested into where it was going to go, what what, mm -hmm. the, what the problem was, and their yeah. attempts to sort of find out and try and fix it. That was, yeah, it had a decent enough mystery to it. Yes, um, you know, the, the performances from all actors were very solid. Uh, some even stand out this season. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a, a lot of the stupid that I usually associate <laughs> with a lot of these sort of uh, Kurtzman-led endeavors, you know, wasn't present for a lot of this show. It was yeah. still there, more mostly towards the end, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a lot more together. There weren't 
really that many plot holes. If you're paying attention, most things got explained and I could follow along what was happening. Yeah, and- this had a this had a more straightforward plot. It was more action adventure, which I think we do need to talk about. Yeah. Um, but I want to let you finish what you were saying. This one, I you know, it was like we have we have a stated goal. We have yeah. we're, we're going to do that. I mean, again, it very much followed the Star Trek Four formula of there's a problem in the present. We're going back to the past to fix it. Um, in the past, we have a mission objective. We have a few different mission objectives to give everyone something to do. Everyone goes and does those things. We we put one of our crew members in peril. We have to go rescue him in both yeah. cases. And then we all come together for the grand finale, and then we go home uh, where the future is righted again. Literally the same exact framework. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like the characters more this time around. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think Rios is a lot better that he's not doing his whole getting over the synth assassination thing that he yeah. did the first time around. He's he's back in Starfleet. He's captain of the Stargazer too, which is a nice little nod. The Stargazer was the first ship that Picard captained. It's an it's an important thing in his in his life. Like if you, if you watch the Next Generation, he has a model of the Stargazer in his ready room. It's you see it in almost every episode. Okay. So it was like a cute little thing, and and like the design of the ship, I thought looked like a nice sort of forgive the pun Next Generation Star Trek ship. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, it's clean, it's shiny, it it you know everything's high tech. You know, it, it looks like a nice ship to be on, which is better than a lot of the ships here. Like the production design team does a great job with all new Trek, even mm-hmm. Discovery, but. Uh, but yeah, like even in Discovery, like I don't really want to be on the Discovery, not because of the story, just like the look of the ship. It, it's not mm. homey. Whereas you, know, you look at the Enterprise D from Next Generation, and it's like you know a Holiday Inn in space. Like it's, it's comfortable. <laughs> There's plants in the hallways and places to sit down, and yeah, you know, it's it's this nice relaxing cream color, and you have these nice big, nice big uh, you know rooms to to be in. You know, it's 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 like a cruise ship that also does work. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, and and the Stargazer gave me a bit more of that vibe, and and I I, I like that mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic there. And yeah, Rios is doing better. Uh, Seven of Nine is doing better. They kind of skipped over they skipped over her relationship, budding relationship with uh, Ravi. Yes, a bit though. Then they kind of turned them into a bickering, formally together couple, which I could have could have lived without. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to front load this with a lot of the, my, my positives here, just you know, because I actually can like New Trek when it is good, and I want to mm-hmm. give credit where credit is due. I, I don't just hate to hate. No, I don't. And I, but I, I think as we look back on some of the stuff that we've did for Star Trek, or even our some of our private conversations, I think we had legitimate complaints. I think. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening back to Alexis and I talk about the last set of Looney Tunes cartoons. And I found myself saying on that show what I have been saying for months now, which is a lot of what's out in Hollywood seems like work for hire. I don't know how much of this is people really really having a passion for what it is they're doing. I mean, I think they have professional pride, but like in terms like I'm a huge fan or I have a perspective and I really want to, you know, and I really have something to say with all of this. I feel like because of the need, let's put it this way. If Paramount Plus didn't exist, neither would Picard. Yeah. So. They need writers. They need writers. They need staff to create these shows. And I think it's a lot of work for hire. And I think it's a lot of people mm-hmm. that don't understand the IP. They know it. You know, imagine you're talking Star Wars and, and you ask somebody who doesn't, who doesn't, is not really a fan of the movies. They're like, oh, I watched them. You know, they're fine. I like them. Like, okay, what's Star Wars? Lightsabers. Yeah. Um, and then there actually are a lot of 
pretty good references to more of the obscure mm-hmm. things that happen throughout Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like I have to give them credit. Like they obviously have someone working on the staff who who knows right. their Trek lore and continuity inside out. Who's 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 probably telling them all. You know, like put this in, put this in, put this in, and you know. But, but I wonder how much of that is again. Like it's it's member berries. It's just yeah, I okay. know that thing. I right. saw it and I clapped. Right, <laughs> yeah. I clapped. Yeah, yeah I, I I wonder how much of this is. They truly understand what makes Star Trek work and what hooks people versus kind of the problem that we had with the new Trek movies, which which we talked about when you did your retrospectives, which was let's put things in there that people remember. Oh, the they know the Go- photon torpedoes, Klingons, right. the red shirt dies. Yeah, Kobayashi Maru. They know all that stuff. They've heard it before. So we'll make sure it's all in there. Okay, but is it organic? Is it authentic? Does it work? Does it serve the plot? I don't understand those words that you're saying. I just know that people like this stuff, so throw it in there. So I find that, just in general, with a lot of Picard season two, there's a lot of what you're saying. There's references. There's stuff, you know, there's little Easter eggs for the fans. And maybe there's a lot of fans out there that are, you know, that like that's all they have. That's all they wanted. They want to make sure they saw recognizable stuff in the new show, and then they don't really care about the rest. For me... Like, I remember Alexis being, like, really super excited that John Delancey was going to be in season two. And I'm watching this, and I'm watching, and this is where I want to really start the discussion. Sure. I'm watching John Delancey, and I'm watching Patrick Stewart, and I'm specifically watching Patrick Stewart for that first episode. He looks like he's going to die any minute now on that set. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is, it's a, it, it is good that he was sitting the whole time in Doctor yeah. Strange. Because here, just watching him, like, John Luke Picard in the Next Generation had a very authoritarian voice. You yes. know, he, commanding, he, I would say. Commanding, yes. He 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 owned the room in which he spoke, and even when you you, you would, could say he was acting like a good captain. Yeah. <laughs> More on this later. <laughs> he he was, um, and then you see him now, and his voice just quivers. And, and I don't know how much of that is him, like, I have to act like a 100-year-old man, or I am a 100-year-old man, and that's just how I sound now. To the point where I was watching a lot of this going, I know that the reason why they did this is because Picard is popular, Patrick Stewart's still a working actor, so everyone agreed this would be a good thing to do for Paramount+. Plus. But I'm like, please send Patrick Stewart home. <laughs> yeah, like, um... It makes me sad to watch him. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen any of Strange New Worlds yet, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna comment on that. But one of the overall vibes I'm getting from this, like since they they tried Discovery and I don't think it's worked out terribly good. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but just mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think I, I think it's they're they're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And after and that was sort of their new characters, new ship. This is like all all new ideas. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, and then they say, then they just quickly ran. Okay, here, here's Picard. You guys love Picard. Patrick Stewart <laughs> wants to wants to make Logan again, and he'll if we slap Star Trek on it instead, he'll say yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so so yeah, like you know, it, here here's stuff you know. Enjoy, love us, love us. <laughs> Leave us alone, but sign up for Paramount Plus. Leave us yeah. alone, but sign up for Paramount yeah, Plus. Yeah, and then we go Strange Worlds. You know, hey, it's Captain Pike. You remember Captain Pike? You know, and Spock's here too. And number one, you remember number one, right? And you know, it's the Enterprise. And oh, Uhura's there. The, you know, and it's kind of like you know, these are all characters that have like, look. In, in the case of Picard, he's had seven seasons of TV, four movies. You know, like he he has gone on an arc. He has experienced tons mm-hmm. of things in his life. 
And yeah, Patrick Stewart is getting up there in age. I mean, he can still act like a pro, don't get me wrong. Right. But but yeah, it's like, where do you take this character that has basically lived two lifetimes mm-hmm. and experienced all this stuff? You know, I, I, like, I'm okay for them to throw Picard in as like a secondary character or a like a cameo here and there, like have him be mm-hmm. an admiral. I think there was one idea that they were going to do like a Starfleet Academy series and Picard would be one of the instructors. So they would focus more on the students, but Picard would still be there to kind of give advice and help out when needed and so on. And and that I think would be a better way to use the character because I think for the most part, his story has been told. I don't, I don't need any more of Picard. He doesn't need to learn or explore that much more because he's kind of done that already. And even, okay. So even if you accept the first season as uh, appropriate, which many many people who watch Star Trek were like, no, 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 no. I, I, I have to, I, I, gosh, I don't want to do this too much. I really do just want to talk yeah. about season two. But yeah. I got to go back to Red Letter Media's review of the first season of Picard and Mike going, Data and Data and Picard were not friends. Yeah. Like, Picard kind of found Data annoying. Picard's friends were Guinan, and he got along with Troy, and he got along with Riker. Uh, but, Dr. Crusher would be a big one. Yeah, like, Dr. He, he, he had, like, almost... He had, like, almost wild, romance. I was going to say, he had wild sexual chemistry with Beverly Crusher. Yeah. And, and he was kind of like a father figure to Will. But you know what he, he had I no relationship with? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wesley. Sorry, Will Wheaton. Um, yeah. You know he had no relationship with? Fucking Data! Yeah, confusing because Riker's first name is Will. Mm-hmm, right. right. But, you know, D- yeah. Data's friends were Jordy. And yeah. ugh, I don't remember who else. Well, I think he hung out with Troy a bit, too. Yeah. But yeah, um, he, yeah, yeah, he didn't have a lot of like close friends on the ship. Right. And I, I, I'd have to go back and rewatch the movies, but I feel, I feel like it, that's where the writer started to imagine there was a relationship between Picard and Data. Because if you look at the casting, the top billing is always Jean, is always Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And then secondary billing is what's his nuts who plays Data. Yeah, Brett and Spiner. Brett Spiner. And it's like they almost forced a relationship on those two because they were first and second billing and no other reason. Yeah, well, I know none, uh, none of it follows from the show. Yeah, well, I know like I think Nemesis, the writer, was either a friend or a fan of Brent Spiner, so that's mm-hmm. kind of why Data right. got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to do in that film. Right. I remember like because I remember Riker on the show being so much more like having so much more to do and him and Troy having this really great relationship and the show. I don't even remember the show focusing on Brent Spiner all that much. The, you know, the, the show did, the show did a really good job of, of spreading it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They certainly each, each member of the crew kind of got their own, uh, mm-hmm. their own arc and their own things right. to do. And, and there certainly were data episodes. Yeah, Sure. I mean, over the course of 107 seasons, yes, you're going to have a few data episodes. I get that. When we get to the movies, and this is this is the point, get, getting all the way back to Picard yeah. season one and finally season two, mm-hmm. is you get to the movies and it's become it becomes the almost like a James Bond kind of a setup where you have Jean Luc as James mm-hmm. Bond, and you have his sidekick as Data, and then you have Girl of the Week. Yeah, you know there, there was there was there was a girl of the week in generations, but that was a whole other mess. So, so you really yeah. get it with first contact, where you have um, the the African American actress whose name now escapes me, but she was girl of the week in that one. And yeah. then 
And then there was Girl of the Week in the next two movies, and then they just gave up after a while. Yeah, Nemesis, I don't think he had a love interest. Uh, Insurrection, mm. definitely love interest. Yeah, yeah. So, and so, and Riker and Troy and everybody else got got minimized to the point where, like, I don't know, like, I can imagine just them going, certainly Worf, just like, why am I here? I'm, you're, well, you're here because you were in the show. That's why. Yeah. So that was the big argument we had with season one, which was basically it's all about this love between Picard and data that isn't a real thing. And that was the point that Mike Sokolka or however you pronounce his last name. Classa, uh, yeah. Yes. Brought up. It was like you manufactured this relationship out of clear thin air and you made the entire season about this, you know, this obsession with synthetics, this relationship. And then like, now you're implying that um, Picard and data were in love with each other, which there's nothing to back that up. Yeah. So, See what's nice about season two is they abandon all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the whole synth thing is like, oh, the synth band's over. You know, everything's good. Everything's fine. It's all fine now. Um, <laughs> nah, it'll be fine. Critical drinker. Um, anyway, so that's what's nice about this. But we started this discussion with poor Patrick Stewart. The one thing they kept <laughs> that was negative about season one that it continues to be a season two. And this is the Marvel problem. You know, we complained about this when we talked about Doctor Strange. We went through the litany of let's crap all over Scarlett Johansson because we want you to love Yelena. Let's crap all over Doctor Strange. We want you to love America Chavez. And, you know, let's crap all over Hawkeye. We want you to love Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. So here, Picard, I feel, if he, Picard always feels like he's getting the worst of every scene by everybody. Agnes gets more play in this show than he yeah. does. He gets to do cool shit with the other thing they will never let go of. It's like they did a really cool thing in TNG and they will not let go of it. it, it, it they can't get away from the Borg, especially the Borg Queen. That man in a world written by people in a fictional universe, David, cannot get away from Locutus. Yeah. Like, every time, like, Patrick, come in. We want to talk to you about this project. We got these things to do. Am I going to be Locutus again? You are, but hang on, hear us out. Like every time. We can't get away from the cutest. We can't get away from the goddamn Borg Queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean my my main issue with this show can, mm -hmm. can kind of boil down to, to to one thing as sort of an example of the, this sort of attitude or thinking mm -hmm. is like they he, he goes to visit Guinan, right, in her in her bar on Earth now. Yes. And it's number ten forward. Wait, which is yeah, it's like still ten forward or some shit. Yeah, it's it's ten forward, and and in the entry, it's like, oh, we finally get to learn, you know, the origins of where ten forward came from. It was on deck ten at the front <laughs> of the ship. It was literally deck ten forward. You know, like, I like like there was already a logical explanation for it. You didn't have to become cute and creative for this. Yeah, this and, is so, this and that is kind so of stuff where where yeah, where, where like they they oh we, we're gonna throw this reference in there. But mm -hmm. everything behind that, no idea. <laughs> what is your name? Han, are you by yourself? Yes, then you're Han Solo. Yeah, almost. And <laughs> It's that bad. Yeah, yeah. And in this show, like, it's like, well, you know, why can't Picard open up to people? And, you know, he's, he's emotionally stunted. There must be some sort of trauma in his past. No, he's the captain. When you're the captain, you're not supposed to be all chummy and buddy-buddy with your crew. Oh. Or every time there's a problem, because there's going to be one when you're out there exploring strange new world, going, ah, aliens! You know, yeah. that's not how this goes. Yeah, like you are a professional, and you set the captain, like you can tell like there's been no leadership training, they've never done it 
sure. uh, in the writer's room because, you know, you lead by example. So if Picard is being all casual and friendly with the crew, then mm-hmm. the crew are going to be all casual with their jobs and everything's just going to go to shit on the ship. I, I, uh, I don't want to reference Red Letter Media too much because they did their own reviews and this is ours. Uh, yeah. But they sort of point out this one scene where Picard's in his ready room and he's reading a book or a, doing some work on a pad or whatever it is. And he's got his feet up on the desk. And then he hears the door chime. And then you know, he, he puts his feet down and he you know, sits at the desk. And he looks all, all professional. And you will come in. And then, you know, I think Riker enters. And it's, you know, Picard likes to relax. He likes to be social. Right. But, he played. You know, if you go back to TNG, like he played the flute, he, yeah. he, he liked poetry. He like like there were. Plenty he, did. Of, he even slept with a few women. Yeah, like, yeah. Like like Picard, friends. Was, like, Picard was a, like a real human being. Wasn't he part of the poker crew? Like I remember, there was a crew that played poker. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they played poker. It was the very end of the show, like the last scene of, okay. of the last episode. Is like he comes and he joins them for poker, and he's like, "Oh, I should have done this a long time ago." And they said, "Well, you're always welcome." And and that's where the show ends, like that sort right. of card, you know, opening up at least a bit more to the officer, bridge officer's staff. Right. But, but like it never was like he's emotionally distant due to some trauma. It's just right. this is how he commands the ship. He has. It's, to- it's just a wild yeah. misread of the character and what Star yeah. Trek is. That goes all the way back to the, what we started with in this review of I don't think the people working on this show know how Star Trek works. Yeah. And this brings me to like my biggest issue man- made manifest is I had no interest at all in the Placard mother backstory plot it added nothing to the show it didn't go anywhere it was just picard has trauma oh now he's dealt with it and now things are good you know it's like well he, he why did he go out into space because people like space and want to go in it because maybe that's where the jobs were yeah like, like those of us that didn't go to liberal arts college <laughs> you know, some yeah, we look up man there are a lot of stars up there and each one of those is like a sun and there are planets around it and i wonder what it's like out there and what well, could I, I, be. since you brought it up i have to now address this yeah. and i have to address this in a very neutral way because what you're talking about is the people who essentially argue about going into government service one of those government services is the military yeah because and, and i talked about this on a, on a previous uh podcast where like you have the system of a down song byob you know and the chorus is like you know why do they always send the poor um why do they always why do they always send the poor why do they always fight the war and yes i i understand like the history of the vietnam draft and how it targeted the poor and uneducated and the those that were that were rich and could go to college got to escape the quagmire that was vietnam I understand all of that, and I understand that informs decades of opinion making. I get all that. But there are people in 2022, to this very day, that still feel a calling to go into law enforcement and the military. There are people who have a calling. There are less of them than there used to be, but they have a calling that they want to serve. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You can talk about the institutions themselves and how there probably needs to be discussions about how we can make them better and run more efficiently and less have less institutional racism. But by and large, the idea of a calling to governmental service in whatever form it takes is not an inherently bad thing. And for those that think that, that is where they're coming from when they write a show like this where it's just like but why would anyone want to join starfleet why would anyone want to join the military 
because people do. <laughs> they know. Yeah. Well, it's do. like Picard, Picard has to go and like do good works around the galaxy, not because he's a good person, but because he feels guilty that he was not able to save his mother from committing suicide. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, like we don't need that. We don't mm -hmm. need that for this character. Yeah. He could just, he could just be, yeah, like it, it's just called 10 forward because it's on deck 10 forward. You know, I, I, that would, that would require the people writing this show to have some idea of how ships work. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, like you, you referenced Gary Seven. I, I remember the reference. It didn't resonate with me because I don't remember who Gary Seven is. Yeah, it was like a backdoor pilot for another TV show about sort of okay. like an alien-backed secret agent that like fixes human history, and he bumped into the Enterprise crew, and yeah, it it, okay. it never went anywhere. But like you, if you're making references to that level of obscurity, you should probably know what deck what Ten Forward means. It's, it's that kind of thing, and I'm not just harping on it, but it, it's it, mm -hmm. it's a microcosm of where, where the problem for this show is. All right, so we're almost 30 minutes into it. We yeah. actually need to talk about what happens in this show. Sure. Um, <laughs> so when they're in the new horrible timeline, um, Seven has never been uh, assimilated by the Borg, so she's got her whole human face back. And I do feel like when they were sitting in the writer's room going, what are we going to do for, for Seven? Someone had to have said, does she need the shit on her face? Can we do something to get the shit off her face? Like yeah, Jerry uh, Ryan doesn't want to go to makeup. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it was her, honestly. Yeah. I, I think she's I think she's a working actress. I think she understands like the appeal to, you know, male Star Trek fans that you know, sexy Borg is a thing. That's what we like about her. We want her to be sexy Borg. And so when you take the Borg shit off, it's like you're just now a girl. Now you're just a girl. You're a sexy girl, but you're yeah. you're less sexy than you were with the Borg shit on. Yeah, I think Jerry Ryan gets a lot of a lot of undeserved crap for being the sexy robot alien chick. When she's like, really? if you watch Voyager, like she really did a good job with that character. Like she, sure. she is a good actress. It's just it was kind of much to her dismay that all everyone focused on was yeah the the tight costumes and mm -hmm. what a great figure she had. And I mean, yes, she is a very very beautiful woman. And like she earned every bit of it, you know. But yeah, no, she's she's. She's she's a very accomplished actress, and yeah. she did I, and she did the best with the writing of Voyager that she could. Yeah. Um. But she's another one that they obsess over. Like. <laughs> yeah. Though, though, <laughs> go ahead. I really liked most of what Seven of Nine had to do in this series. Mm -hmm. Like, like you know, again, like Critical Drinker talks about you. Know, everyone acts like children in these shows. They're mm -hmm. you know they're a bunch of you know liberal arts students just complaining mm -hmm. about trauma and doing drugs and whatever. <laughs> uh. She actually acted like an adult for most of this show. Like it was I, great I wanted to see her like when she was in the you know the the fascist future, the Confederate. Mm -hmm. Like her piecing together what was going on on her own and figuring out how to you know say the right things so she wouldn't tip off people that she was not 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 her alternate she, universe self. Like she, it was she was she gets making a, very logical, rational decisions. She pair she, to that point. She pairs off with Michelle Hurd for a, for about half the season, and they they're off having adventures together. They're, Jerry Ryan must be an amazing mother. <laughs> so um, there's a bit with I I and I laughed out loud at this. So, so they do the thing where <clears throat> they they slingshot around the sun in order to time yeah. travel. You know, right out of Star Trek Four. Yeah, and um, they're using the they're using the Borg Queen as the supercomputer to guide them. To the you know to get them to the exact speed at the exact time yeah. at the exact location around the sun so they can time travel which is what Spock's job was in Star Trek Four they actually say that out loud yeah and so um, you have uh, Patrick Stewart over Mia 
and then you have Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan doing their thing. And then the guy that plays, oh gosh, um, yep. uh, what the hell is his name? Um, like the actor or the character? Santiago Cabrera is Chris Rios. Okay, so they can't get the transported to transport people exactly where they need them to go. So it's like best guess. Yeah. And everyone lands relatively safely where they're supposed to go, except for poor Chris, uh, except for poor Rio, who gets transported into midair and proceeds to fall on his face. And because I complained so much about this with Black Widow, where she bounces off several awnings onto her head, even into an ordinary drinking glass, observe, and, you know, gets up and she's like, you know, that's it. Yeah. That which should have killed her. Yeah. Well, she was well, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you can right. get with that where stuff. Her head is made of lead. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, this motherfucker, like, <laughs> he's just like, ah, like it was a cartoon. He was like, oh no, and falls and hits his face on the, uh, on this, on the metal stairs and like goes ass over tea kettle and falls flat on his face again. Dude, I, I didn't have a reaction to almost anything in this show that I reacted to. And I laughed hard. Yeah, that, that was a good fall. That was like, ooh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Oh, well, he isn't getting up because he yeah. shouldn't. <laughs> like no no he was bleeding out of his mouth you know yeah. he uh he took that one hard and so he spends the next episode or two in in the uh hospital and then trying to run from immigration yeah which we might as well talk about this now sure. but it, this all leads to Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan going to rescue him like they had to rescue Chekhov in the fourth one yeah and there's and Michelle Hurd so earlier on the i guess the Vulcan got shot uh, uh, he was a Romulan. Yeah. Romulan. I, um, okay, I cannot well, tell the difference between El Elnor. That was it. Yeah. So Lake Elsinore gets shot, and you know, I guess they—I don't remember what their relationship is, but she's she loves him. Oh, they, they didn't have any relationship in season one, but in between seasons, she apparently became his mentor and looked out for okay. him, and almost a surrogate mother. Right. So he dies, and um, spoilers. And so now she's like, I must kill everybody for this. And, she, and yeah, you know, I'm so right. angry. I don't care about anything anymore. I'm just going to destroy the timeline because I don't yeah. care. Feelings. <laughs> like, how, did you, how did you get to be Feelings. the how did you get to be the adjutant to an admiral? Like, yeah, yeah. with your uh, utter inability to control your emotions. Uh, yeah, like basic temporal mechanics, temporal prime directive. This is important stuff. All right, and she's like, Nah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Anywho, so the point is because you, you brought up Jerry Ryan acting like the only adult in the show. There's a bit where Michelle Hurd's like, "I'm killing everybody," and Jerry Ryan's like, "How about not acting like an asshole?" Yeah, and and, they, and so they have to stop the bus. And there's this whole give and take that they have, which is actually which this bit I, I was entertained by because she's like, mm -hmm. "I'm gonna do this and this and this," and Jerry Ryan's just looking at her, seven of nine. She's like. How about we don't destroy the timeline trying to rescue our friend? How about we try to think through this in a way that minimizes the butterfly effect? And she's like, "Fine, have it your way." And 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 Jerry Ryan just does it. She like sets off like a localized EMP. They go above the bus and punch out the bus driver, and they let loose all the Mexicans. And yay, we've solved. I'm sure that I'm sure that won't have any effect on the timeline. None at all. Um, my, but I enjoyed that give and take. To your point about Jerry Ryan, I enjoyed her performance in that scene and throughout the. And I like that they had at least one character acting like a professional adult. Yeah. Um. I can. Yeah, my my of, only issue with Seven of Nine was they kind of threw in this whole like she's, she's so self conscious about being, like a Borg or a mm -hmm. former Borg, and oh nobody likes me and I can't have friends. It's like, 
you know, Borgs, Borgs aren't allowed in Starfleet. Well, what about Ichab? He was wearing a Starfleet uniform as we watched his eye get gouged out in season one. <laughs> you know, like on Voyager, he's like, I want to join Starfleet. And everyone was super on board with it. it, it right. You know, like I, 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 this, in this future, that wouldn't have been that much of an issue. So I didn't really mm -hmm. like that. And, and, and then on top of that, whenever like any Borg do show up, she's like, kill them, kill them now. They can't yeah. be saved. Even though, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure you were... They match to save you, so that was kind of the one inconsistency I thought in her, in her and character. That's what they do with Picard, you know. He was the cutest in like the middle of TNG, yeah. But two or three seasons later, he forgot he was the cutest. It stopped. He also forgot about you. <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't worrying about Q anymore. He wasn't worrying about being the cutest. He had gone on and moved on to other things. It wasn't until the movies where he suddenly became obsessed with the Borg, yeah, uh, out of fucking nowhere. So anyway, um, so getting back to this. Sure. I, we got to talk about, we just got to talk about the heavy handed, like, I I don't mind. Look, you've, you've had enough podcasts. I mean, you've listened to enough podcasts to me. I don't, I'm not like some of the other guys where it's like, get your politics out of my fantasy show. No, no, no. It's fine to have them there. But this is what Robert and I talk about. There's, I think like a Jupiter's Legacy, um, the landing or whatever the fuck the name of the Netflix show was called. That was Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. Um, that was based on the comic book. They presented a philosophical argument mm -hmm. and gave you characters on either side of that argument that neither one was particularly more good or bad than the other. One yeah. was clearly the villain and one wasn't, but their points of view seemed equal. Their presentation seemed equal. And you as the viewer were left to decide who was more right in this circumstance. And yeah. Robert and I really like that. And that I think needs to be so just on a slight tangent here. Um, yep. prepare with me. Uh, I'll, the, I'm probably going there with you, huh? I'm probably going there with you. We'll, we'll see. Well, there's a conversation that gets take, taken place often with my fellow law enforcement people mm -hmm. about, um, we had this thing in Florida called Don't the, the Don't Say Gay Law. Yeah, I don't want to get into the specifics of it. The, yeah. the, the sort of the colloquial take of Don't Say Gay was we don't want teachers presenting information education on lgbtq uh lifestyles yeah and my argument in favor of it was but teachers are supposed to be purveyors of information that's yeah. their job their job is to give your kids information if in a perfect world if they could pre present that objectively this is what the L in LGBTQ is. This is what the Q yeah. in LGBTQ is. This is what these things are. These are people in the world. <laughs> these are people in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and it's up to you how you want to deal with that. But, you know, but here is the objective in information about this as a teacher. Yeah. And they said, that's your Pollyanna perfect worldview. However, in the real world, teachers have agendas. Teachers have uh, political points of view. They push them on children, and if you can't control yourself and just present information objectively, I don't want you talking about my kid with things that are deeply personal to us. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other argument there, but that is the two sides of the argument. And going back to relating that to um, what we're talking about here with, with Star Trek, they clearly had a position on immigration yeah. and immigration enforcement. Yes. There was no other side to that argument. Yeah, well, I think it's it was, more technically illegal immigration or refugees. Yeah they had they had an impression of how law enforcement conducts itself yeah i thought they held back actually 
that could have been so much worse. But I, yes. I think it, I think they know that if you go too far, you're going to lose people who yeah. you who would have who could have accepted this. But if you go too far and like make the cops like abject Nazis, they're like, yeah. no, 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 I, I'm done with you now. But yeah. yeah, it just felt like we can't not do the show and not talk about environmentalism and immigration, illegal immigration. And it was like, that's fine, but could you not be so heavy handed about it? Could yeah. you could you present both sides of the argument, I guess? And they're like, no, no, we can't. There is no, this is my, without talking about my own political point of view, this is my yeah. art. This is my issue a lot of times with talking to people who are from the more liberal side of the world, the more progressive side, is when you say, but there's another side to that argument, their counter is no, there isn't. Mm-hmm. It's just no, there isn't. There's only this way of thinking. And I'm sure somebody out there is like, oh, conservatives do that too. I don't know. I talk to conservatives and I'm usually the liberal in that conversation. And I'm able to have a con- an adult conversation about it and it doesn't descend into chaos. I have the same conversation with a progressive person and I present the conservative side of the argument. They're like, that doesn't exist. Your argument is invalid. Your The existence of your argument is invalid. And I'm like, I, I just why. <laughs> it's like, but this is why I don't talk about this stuff with people anymore. Anyway, your thoughts on how they handled the quasi-political stuff? Yeah, I I would actually say I'm almost in in some way the opposite of you, where I kind of thought they didn't do enough. Okay, really? Uh, yeah, not in the case of like my my views were affirmed or not affirmed. Okay. Again, I'm 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 not gonna spout my personal politics. Uh, that's not why we're here. You no, know, that's that we were not a political show. But it was just kind of, it was almost just looking, it's almost like you're on like a amusement park ride where you, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a little car going through, you know, the different dioramas. And, you know, to your left is the, you know, immigration enforcement exhibit. <laughs> it's just a yeah. cop like, like jostling and a Mexican right and left, you know, and that's yeah. it. That's all you see. Yeah. So like then, and to your right, it's global warming. You know, right. and, and then you know thanks thanks for going on the ride it's like okay but you didn't tell me about any of these things you just said these are things right and they exist so, in the world much yeah. like the lbgtq people yeah i i, I um yeah like i and and yeah like what i, I like you i like it in more of the classic sort of trek where they would they would like they would take a stand on an issue but they mm-hmm. would always kind of go through the more complexities of the issue like they wouldn't right. straw man the opposition they would usually try and steel man them uh, like there was a, a Deep Space Nine episode, for example, mm-hmm. where they meet like a, a new alien race. They're like refugees fleeing a hostile invasion invasion force, mm-hmm. and they they come to the station and they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll we'll help you guys find a, a planet to settle on, and and you'll be safe here." And they say, "Well, you know, our our religion says we're supposed to go and find this planet of that has been through suffering and and settle there, and the sort of the planet near." near Deep Space Nine, Vajor, which basically went through like a Nazi occupation, basically, mm-hmm. and in the process of rebuilding itself. It's like, well, you know, your your planet's history is exactly what this planet is has been said to us. So we want to we want to resettle on Bajor. And <laughs> it's like, you know, we're we're kind of still digging ourselves out from the mass graves of this occupation by this military power, having to support you know refugees from another world is that that's just kind of too much for us. You know, like, yeah, you know, we're sorry, but you know, there's plenty of perfectly good other planets that you could settle on and be perfectly happy. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. it, we can't take that chance. And then at the end of, end of the episode, as they're going to settle the new planets, the sort of the leader says, you know, you, you guys are having a lot of trouble, like, getting your agricultural, uh, you know, industry back in action, trying to you know 
fix the soil that was ruined in in the occupation you know my people are farmers by trade you know we if we had settled there we could have you know, we could have like you know, brought new life and food to to your to to Bajor, but mm-hmm. now we'll never know and 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 you know both sides of that issue were dealt with and you know you're even you're kind of left you get that bittersweet ending because like yeah huh you know maybe they made the wrong decision but you also understand why they made the decision that they made and it makes you think right instead of just ice bad next (laughs) global warming bad next there that's all our our social commentary we took a stand yeah we said it was bad i mean the, the like this is it's basically the writing equivalent of changing your plate Facebook profile picture. <laughs> right. I put a stick I, on I there. Said a thing I didn't like. I'm changing the world. I stand with Makambe or whatever the fuck his name was. Harambe, I think. Yeah. Harambe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we are about tw- 15 minutes yeah. out from an hour. So uh, I want to talk about Agnes really quick and then I'm going to throw it yeah. over to you to talk about the conclusion of season two. Sure. But so Agnes, so Agnes gets partnered up with. She, that that actress always or, cracks me up. Yeah, because like I remember her from like the newsroom, mm-hmm. and she you know, and she was just like, she had a really she has a really good arc in the newsroom. But she, that that actress plays that kind of character very well, which mm-hmm. is like semi awkward, smart, yeah. cute, just kind of tries trying to figure things out. You know, she she seems to play that role very well, mm-hmm. and um, she brings that kind of energy into the Agnes character in Picard. She has a really great line when uh, after she merges briefly with the board queen in order to get information from her and do this, that, and the other thing. Um, there's a point where as they're enmeshed, they're, she's going through different emotions. And and at one point, she was just like, sometimes I just, thinking of brats and brat tamers, sometimes I just like to say things to piss you off, Picard, because you kind of remind me of my dad. Yeah. <laughs> she said it so matter-of-factly. It was a, it's, it's a great line delivery. But um, most of her scenes are acting opposite the Borg Queen, which can we just talk about makeup and casting yeah. and how maybe stop doing things 20 years later with the same characters? Because, mm-hmm. like, the Borg Queen shouldn't have aged. But that actress clearly has. Uh, well, I think there's there's more than one Borg Queen is, is my understanding. I thought it was that one, though, that turned him into Locutus. Uh, no, that one was the one in First Contact, but also in okay. Voyager, there's another Borg Queen played by another actress who also okay. gets at the end of the show, spoiler alert. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of been established or hinted at that that there's more than one Borg Queen. So okay. I, I was right. okay with that. All right. I, and I mean, okay, that that makes me have to go back and, and look and see, well, who was yeah. she? Because I thought it was the one from TNG, and uh, I well, thought it was no. that actress several years later. And yeah. it, well, I guess my point is, what, whoever it was, looked older than what the Borg Queen should have looked. Yeah. And I, I just like I was kind of looking at the makeup the makeup job on that. I'm like, do you know like did anyone look at this and think this was okay? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter, especially if it's not the same actress. But I thought she had some really interesting things with the Borg Queen. They have a they have a really interesting exchange where <laughs> where she where Agnes is trying to get her trying to get the get her to bargain with her and the Borg Queen's like what do you what do you think I want from you? She kind of does like a Heath Ledger's Joker thing. Yeah. And Agnes is like, no, I know exactly what you want. You're having a long <laughs> it was one of those where you're having a long conversation with me because you're absolutely bored and you you just need someone to talk to. Yeah. So I will come and talk to you, but you have to do what I need you to do. And I was like, and and that goes to my issue with Picard. They gave Agnes so much, they give Rafi so much, they give Seven of Nine so much. 
They and Picard trips and falls on his face and is abused by everybody in the show to the yeah. point where I'm like, why did we do this? Why did we take yet another iconic hero from the pantheon of gods in American culture and just shit on him yeah. for 10 episodes? Yeah. He, he has some like decent enough little sort of pep talk moments mm -hmm. in it. Like when he's talking, uh, you haven't gotten this far yet. Uh, when he's talking to uh, like his, his ancestor, Renee, mm -hmm. who's like for, freaking out about going on this mission to Europa mm -hmm. and he sort of, you know, he sort of gives her a bit of a pep talk about, you know, uh, like, like, like bravery is, is not the absence of fear, but the overcoming of fear and so on and so forth. And, and you know, there's nothing like super deep or mm -hmm. revelatory in there, but it, it was a decent enough pep talk. And, 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 and yeah, but a, a lot of, a lot of the sort of emotional beats of the show is just like the actors, like just giving very matter of fact, commonsensical stuff it's like yeah. time things that happened before happened before things that happened later it's a sequence of events in the past that lead to the present and the things that we do in the present lead to the future thus is time and it's like yeah uh, okay yeah hang, hang on Yeah, you're not really telling me anything new about the human experience. Right. Uh, like, for example, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to use examples of other episodes, but Tapestry, a, an excellent Q episode, one of the best, mm -hmm. where Picard is basically killed at the beginning of the episode, and Q, mm -hmm. Q comes and says, you're dead. How was life? Any regrets? And he's like, well, there was this one time I got in this fight with a Nausicaan, and he stabbed me through the heart. <laughs> and like, okay, and he just moves him back in time, and... And there he is in the academy, and he's you know, like doing things over again the way he wanted to, and he basically doesn't get into the fight with the Nausicaan, and and all his friends are like, you know, geez, Picard, like you used to be cool, but now you're just this big wuss that won't even stand up for anything. And then Q zips him back to the future, and he's now like a an ensign science officer on the Enterprise. I remember this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 Q just said like, well, that that moment was when like you you stood up for something and you, you fought and you, you know, you got hurt, but that, that led to you to be this character that, you know, would take the initiative that would take risks. Right. You know, like this is, this is the kid that, you know, when the captain of the stargazer was killed on the bridge, you stepped right into the chair and you captained the ship to sit back to safety and that made your career. And now, and that's what led to you being the captain of the enterprise. And he's like, but this Picard, you know, he, he never took any chances and he always took the safer road. And it was basically like, you know, the things that you do in the past that you think are mistakes are a part of who you are and can even have positive effects given time. And right. you know, at the end of the episode, Picard is just you know, like, I, I change it back. Like, I'm OK if I die as a result of this. I'd rather die as Captain Picard than live forever as this man. And, yeah. you know, like, that that was a really important message and you know that episode dealt with it so much better than anything in this show i was just saying i think family guy even did something like that where like what surprised where like stewie stewie doesn't go off the diving board and he grows up to be just you know this beta male yeah you know and then he is like it is through the it is through failing it is through adversity and failing that we find ourselves and and we can proceed and become men yeah and that's the lesson it's almost um, like Farland's a star trek fan i don't know what you're talking about by the way if you watch yeah. the orville Anywho, um, so yeah, talk, tell me about the ending because uh, I got yeah. this this whole week. I, I used to get really uptight about this, and just because mm -hmm. my own life has sort of slipped slipped out of my grasp. 
um, I'm struggling to kind of keep up with with everything. Like I had to I had to postpone doing upload, and I barely got all of this watched in time for uh, for our review. And I wasn't going to reschedule this as well because you know I don't like to do that to you people. Um, but you're welcome. So I got seven and a half episodes in, and I'm like, I, okay, I, I don't know how this ends. How does this end? Uh, and so yeah, episode seven, yeah. So so yeah, they fixed Renee Picard, so she's able to go into space. Right. Um, Q is getting Doctor Sung. I forget which Sung it is to mm-hmm. try and stop it using the giving him the cure for his daughter's disease as uh, as, as leverage. Yeah. Um, Sung's daughter finds out that she's actually a clone of his daughter, and he she's like clone number ten, and they all the others like died already. He was unable to, mm-hmm. to to save them, so she's like, "I'm just a science experiment to you." And Q gives her the you know, the magic cure, and she just takes that and walks out on him. Because of course Q, he does. Yeah, and then Q says, well, you, know, you still have motivation because if this Europa mission goes off and Rene Picard's on it, it'll set in motion a chain of events that will... That, well, if, if she doesn't go on the mission, it'll set in motion a chain of events where you basically become ruler of the world and build humanity in your image, and this is where the, the divergence to the Confederacy versus the Federation happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All uh, right. like, well, that sounds pretty sweet, so he... <laughs> tries to do more shenanigans um but yeah the 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 picard crew are able to thwart his machinations he teams up with the borg queen for a bit because you know, of course wants, he does yeah well she wants to take over the ship and go and build a new borg collective in in the past <laughs> like borg like borg are gonna do yeah yeah even more powerful than the original collective that she was from but Agnes is fighting back at her, and eventually the two of them reconcile, and they t- decide to build a, a kinder, gentler Borg that uh, doesn't force people to assimilate. They just go around and find people who are, you know, on the verge of death and offer. So we're in the writer's room, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do and what the conclusion is going to be. And someone just goes, yeah. how about woke Borg? Yeah. Well, you see, the thing about the Borg is it's not that they want to absorb all cultures and technologies in the universe to create the perfect being. It's that they're just really lonely. Yes. Yes, uh, again, I understand. See, see my comments about Picard earlier <laughs> on. We don't need a touchy-feely backstory about trauma and loneliness. <laughs> you know, they're, they're an analogy for communism, like the complete destruction of the individual will. But right. I digress. So, yeah. So Agnes becomes a new, kinder, gentler Borg queen. They give her the ship. She goes Are off. Are you shitting me? Agnes I'm, is the Borg queen now? Yes. Well, the, they've merged into a, a new Borg queen. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, like the queen transferred her her mind into Agnes with some nanoprobes and okay, whatever. By around? the way, like when, when Agnes makes the deal with the Borg Queen, like, okay, fine, let us use the transporters and I'll talk mm-hmm. to you. And then she just storms off and goes into the chateau right. nearby, leaving the Borg Queen totally alone in a, <laughs> in a future spaceship. You know, what could possibly go wrong? Well, she well, if you'll remember, she put like dampeners on or some shit. It was just like yeah. uh, you're just hanging there and like nothing's happening, like a, you know, like a Sp- yeah, like a science fiction BDSM yeah. thing. Yeah. Again, <laughs> still some stupid writing stuff in in this. It show. really is so bad. But, but it lasted a lot longer until it got really bad. So I'll yeah. I'll give him credit for that. So she's the, uh, so 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 is she like sexy sexy Borg like Jerry Ryan or she's a sort of meh? I mean, she's like the same actress that plays Agnes, just you mm-hmm. know, in wearing like the more Borg Borg that's queen. The, that's more what I was asking. They they dressed her in the Borg shit. Yeah, they dressed her up in the Borg Borg costume. Um, yeah, so that, that's that storyline uh, dealt with, and then they they're able to to like double play Sung a Talon, like the 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 Varus lookalike Watcher, mm-hmm. 
she pretends to be Renee Picard because she can alter her appearance. Mm -hmm. And Sung poisons her thinking she's Renee, but Renee's already gone onto the shuttle. She dies in Picard's arm after they, you know, he's he's worked through his trauma about seeing his mom commit suicide. By the way, his father was played by James Callis from Battlestar Galactica. Always nice to see him getting work. Yeah, so Picard learns that he's been repressing this memory of his mom committing suicide when he was a kid because she had mental health issues that they just weren't able to, to figure out. And uh, because he let her outside of her room that her, his dad locked her in for her own safety, she was able to get the rope and do the job. So he feels all guilty about that, which is why he travels the universe doing good deeds. And like this has absolutely no bearing at all on anything else in the story. Well, I was going to say, could Hollywood be any more obsessed with PTSD? Yeah. <laughs> This is I, I between TikTok and some Hollywood right Hollywood projects that we've talked about here. It is like all anyone wants to do in Hollywood. Do you remember the good old days in Hollywood when people just wanted to write really fun stories? Yeah. Now everyone's was- everyone's working through everyone's working through like their personal mental health issues in Hollywood. Like I like we have this gig. We need you to write some scripts for the Picard show. That's tr- I understand what you're saying, but can I work through my my issues with my parents? Yeah. Okay. This is this is the last Star Trek episode. I will. Briefly surmise to illustrate a point here. Go ahead, Mike, from Red Letter Media. Sure. Yeah. So, Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, the Bajorans conquered by another race called the Cardassians. Basically, Nazi occupation, lots of death, enslavement, mm-hmm. all the terrible things. Was it the Cardassians or was it um, the, whatever they call themselves, the, the, the Dominion? No, the Dominion came later in Deep Space Nine. Okay. It was the Cardassians, but okay. uh, good, good try. Uh, so... At the beginning of the episode, Captain Sisko's like, uh, Cardassians want to send a science team to study the wormhole. And Kira's like, no, definitely not. He's like, but, but they're scientists. They're not soldiers. Doesn't matter. They're Cardassians. They're all bad. A, Card- a lone Cardassian comes onto the station. One of the other Bajorans identifies him as Galdar Heel, basically the the warden of Auschwitz. Right. Bajoran. So he, he denies I it. I vaguely remember this, actually. Yeah. He's arrested, and then there's a sort of cat and mouse Kira interrogating him as he's not letting on, but sort of coyly letting on. And eventually, you know, he slip, lets it slip. Yes, I am Gardar Heel. I enjoyed killing the Bajorans. I wish I could have killed you all. I'm evil, and I love it. And she's like, well, now you're going to hang for it. And then Cisco goes to tell the Kardashians, like, hey, we have, you know, this general of yours here, because, you know, international incident. Mm-hmm. And what are you talking about? He died last month. I was at the funeral. Like, you know, whoever... I don't care who you have in your in your brig. It's, it's not that guy. And then Kira goes back and she works out that he's actually another Kardashian called Marishka, who's like a, an accountant or a clerk at that same uh, same death camp. And basically he's got this fatal disease from working at the camp and he had himself altered to look like Darheel and get caught on purpose so that he could be executed to give some sort of closure to the victims and their families. Because oh, okay. he was so he was so guilt ridden over not being brave enough or able to do anything to stop the slaughter, and Kira, you know, stopped seeing him as this like Kardashian monster, but as a person who was also deeply affected by this occupation, who was willing to put his life on the line to try and at least make something right, mm-hmm. even a little bit. And she's like, "Well, you know, you're not guilty. You know, you'll just have to wrestle with your conscience yourself. You're free to go." And on the way back to like catch his ship, another Bajoran who's been sort of in the background runs up, stabs him. <laughs> and as Mariska's like dying, you know, Kira looks up at the Bajoran and says, like, why did you do that? He was innocent. He says, doesn't matter. He's a Cardassian. 
the exact same words she used at the beginning. But now, mm -hmm. because of what has happened in the story, how she learned to see someone she saw as an oppressor, as a person who was also a victim, it changed her view. The elements in the story actually had an effect on the character's journey and progression. Right. In writing terms, this is called a character arc, <laughs> which actually has a middle where things happen to affect the change in the character. Right. This was not a character arc. This is just Picard does something with no relevance to the story whatsoever. Mm -hmm. and, and that just the heck out of me like why are we even here what is the point of this scene so uh, like, here, here, here's my problem with q. yeah yeah so q, q did this and he says at the beginning he is i mean he has some really fun dramatic scenes with patrick yeah, is always great as yeah. q no matter what they, they have some way, fun... q, q's barely in this thing even like i'm pretty yeah, sure he just had him for a day yeah like he's on the poster and they made a big deal of him coming back but he's not really in the Cash show. that check sir yep but um, I just I just wanted to say this like I enjoyed Q and TNG and but knowing that you basically had Mr. Mitzelplex, you know yeah. who was who was omnipotent, like how do you beat him? And that was always the thing with Q. Q was like I'm setting up this I'm setting up this test. If you pass the test, I go away for a while. And that yeah. was always the thing with Q. There was no beating him per se. There was there there was finishing the test. Yeah, and and so here. It's not really a test. He's not testing Picard in any way. He, like he tells him at the beginning of the show, he's like, "This isn't a test. This is a penance." Like, he's yeah. punishing him for something. It sounds never... it sounds good in trailers. Yeah, but we never get a sense of what he's punishing him for. What transgression? It's like it's almost like he's a stand-in for an editorial point of view that people are just mad that Patrick Stewart got older. I guess. Like I don't understand. Like, why is everyone so mad at Pat, poor Patrick Stewart or mad at this character? My, my my theory is they're just mad at the world. Yeah, yeah. Like and Donald so Trump was president. Everything sucks. We live in this racist, sexist, homophobic dystopia where the police are running around in murder squads, gunning down black people at, <laughs> on mass. You know, and we're gonna take it all out on John yeah. Luke Picard, and, 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 and we're just gonna say like, you know, this is because people suck. Everyone's evil. Every, the only thing yeah. good happens is because people are suffering through trauma. Like it's it's just there's a cynical undertone to the whole thing, right? It's it's just like more to the point. They don't ever give any rational explanation for it. It's just a tantrum. Like Q is a stand a stand in for like a liberal progressive tantrum happening in the show for some stupid reason, and then you get to that's what I was asking you about the resolution. So they stop him. What stops Q because he's omniscient, uh, omnipotent, from just like you didn't stop me? You know, it's yeah. like when you play, it's like remember when you were a kid and mm -hmm. you're like I, you know, and you're playing you know finger guns with people and you're like I shot you, like you couldn't have shot me because I have a force field. Yeah, like yeah. Well, what 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 we learned is Q is actually dying. He doesn't know mm -hmm. how or why, but he knows that he is dying, and right. he's like, what what am I, what are, what is my last act going to be in in life what is my legacy how will i have made a difference in the world and it's like mm -hmm. i'm i'm going to help jean-luc picard get over his mommy issues by sending him into the past to prevent a fascist xenophobic future human thing and which will just happen because reasons yeah it's that's, not, that's the whole thing it's not particularly it, it's it is very convoluted but yeah. I guess more of what I was saying is you invented this character that can do anything at any time. And he doesn't want them to succeed, per se. So why doesn't he just, like, yeah. there's well, no reason he can't stop them. None. Yeah, there's 
Well, he's also kind of losing his powers due to his him dying okay. as well. So he can't just snap his fingers and do everything, though he does at the end because they need him to reset the timeline because they gave their ship away to the Borg Queen. So, All right. yeah, so, oh. yeah, and, like, the thing with Q in this is, like, there's basically two two sides to Q, right? There's Q, this sort of mischievous guy who who yeah. makes trouble for them. And, and like, yeah. the original idea was, like, when they went to do the first episode of Next Generation, DC Fontana only write, wrote an hour's worth of script. The studio wanted two, a two-hour pilot. So Gene Roddenberry basically added in all the Q stuff himself because he wanted to do this thing about how humanity has grown beyond its pettiness and is now going into the next stage of evolution and the Q are jealous or threatened by this, so they want to they, they want to show humanity that we're really not that good, but the humans are always are good. You know, so Parkar can give speeches about all that. And and yeah, you get those episodes and they're not that great. But then some other writers kind of got their hands on the character and they kind of did him more as this mischievous but more or less sort of benevolent guide yeah. where he's potential of humanity right. and is trying we're, to show Picard how to achieve that. Right. Where here he's more he's got a more villainous yeah, here on. we get more just mischievous cue, but now with menace. But then right, right. at the very end, it's like, oh, I was doing it all for your good, Jean-Luc. And you know, yeah. as a god, you are my my favorite. And like they hug it out, and then he passes away. And then we go back to the future where it's revealed that the Borg Queen at the beginning of the episode is Agnes. Dun, dun, dun. And she's actually warped there because some big subspace anomaly is going to open up and destroy the galaxy. And she needs her giant Borg vagina ship to team up with the 50s. Starfleet ships combine all their shields together and stop the thing from happening. And that's where it all kind of ends. So I'm reading the wiki here. It says it has been estimated to have high viewership and audience demand and has received positive reviews from critics. Well, I mean, that's not hard to do. We have a whole segment devoted to that. <laughs> well, I, I get that. I guess like, you, you know, you and I have not been kind to this show. I think we've been fair, but we have definitely not said it's great. Yeah. And I'm just I, reading this. I, I would give season two overall an okay. It it stumbles and pretty much falls on its face right at yeah. the end. But at least for like the 75% of the way there, I didn't hate it. There were actually things that I liked. So it's it says here that the Rotten Tomatoes score was 89%. Um mm -hmm. Metacritic is 69 out of a hundred. Uh IGN just gave it mixed reviews. Five out of ten, I believe. Oh God! Um, when, when your review opens up with this, could this might be the worst season of Star Trek ever? <laughs> I'm trying to see if it was renewed for season three. Yeah, and uh, the, yeah. Oh, Sorry, yeah. with the third and final season expected to premiere. All right, we have one more season of this. Yeah, and they're bringing back the whole TNG cast except for Will Wheaton. Oh, well, also, Will Wheaton, Wesley Crusher shows up as a traveler to take Sung's daughter away. That really had no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Yeah, the fan so, service. This is better than season one, definitely. It sounds like it's better than it's sounds like it's better than Voyager, not Voyager, um, Discovery. However, yes. it, this is this is laden with all the same problems that we've been complaining about Star Trek before. Yeah, it's just the the the, the problems they're still there, but they're they were less this season than there. Where I, I would kind of say almost it was like season one is twenty five percent actually not bad, and seventy five percent Alex Kurtzman writing bullshit. Yeah, this season was much the reverse. Seventy-five percent, pretty good, pretty good. Twenty-five percent, bullshit. Yeah, it's not what I really want though in Star Trek. Yeah. Also, I can't I, believe they didn't they didn't title number ten as forward, <laughs> like episode 10, forward. Yeah, right. Right now, there's someone listening to this podcast working on the show, going, "Damn it, we should have done that." 
Well, they've got one more chance to get this right. All right, that's it. That's our review of Star Trek Picard. Um, Jay, uh, David will be with us again next week. He's got a double shot with us on Monday. Uh, he will be defending Top Gun, and I will be prosecuting it. And my prosecution is going to be like, it was so gay, but it couldn't tell anyone. Um, that's my whole argument. Anyway, so we're going to talk Top Gun, um, and I get to ask David a whole bunch of airplane questions. Yeah. Um, then he'll be back. And as I said last uh, time I talked to David, him and my wife are going to have a hot polyamorous uh, Downton Abbey date live on air. And I'm just going to stand in the middle of them and occasionally hose them down. That's my plan for Tuesday night. Sounds fun. <laughs> uh, what I mean to say is David and my wife will be joining me on Damn You Hollywood to review Downton Abbey 2, A New Era. Um, on Wednesday, we've got uh, our review of Watane, The Agony and Ecstasy of Watane. And then Thursday, uh, Pat and I will be talking The Four Kings of Boxing. It'll be Leonard versus Hearns 2. And then I'm going glamping. You ever been glamping, uh, David? No, it sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> Camping is uh, not glamorous. Well, I'm going glamping. Yesterday, uh, we, we dropped our S, our Superblog team up uh, that celebrated the anniversary of Image Comics. Uh, it was comic strip for term life. And then last night, Jesse and I, speaking of things I didn't finish, uh, reviewed Homicide Life on the Street Season 6. Uh, Tuesday, myself and Robert Winfrey reviewed Firestarter. And then uh, we kicked off the week with a double shot. Uh, da uh, David and I reviewed the original Downton Abbey movie. And then I did a late night show with Sean Comer. We reviewed some porn adjacent movies. My favorite thing, porn adjacent. X, Red Rocket, and Boogie Nights. One of those is really, really good. One of them is interminable. And one of them you should just skip because it doesn't worth watching. I'll let you figure out which one's which. All right. Or you can listen to the show. Or you can listen to the show. David, anything else you want to plug before we go? No, I, I think you've, you've covered me for the rest of the month. I certainly have, Ollie. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on TV Party tonight. For David Wright, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>